What's up, church family? Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is midweek, Vibrant Church. So glad you are logging on Facebook to join me tonight. We're going to have an amazing time together. Right now, do me a favor. I want you to share this broadcast to your page. Click that share button. Come on, invite your friends, invite your family, your coworkers, invite people you know to log on to join us tonight. I really believe God's going to speak some, some incredible truth to your heart. I believe there's an encouragement tonight for somebody. I believe somebody is going to find an answer, maybe a missing key to their life and what they're going through and what they're navigating right now. And I think it's all found in the Word of God. I really believe that. So join us. Get, get other people to log on and join uh, with us tonight. Before we jump into the Word of God, though, uh, I want to I remind you next Wednesday is what we always anticipate. First Wednesday is next Wednesday. And listen to me. It is going to be a big deal. Next week, first Wednesday, this next Wednesday night, this first Wednesday is going to be huge. It's the first time ever that we're doing a student takeover of first Wednesday. Now, I didn't say that it's just a student service. What I'm telling you is it's the first Wednesday service that we all love. Everything is going to be the same. It's just that our student ministry is going to be leading all of it. It's going to be a powerful night. It's going to be amazing. I want you, I want everybody to come out. I want everybody to grab your friends and come out to first Wednesday, next Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Yes, we will be broadcasting online as well. But man, get in the house, man. Adults, everybody, pile in. Let's pack the place out. I really believe that you're going to be encouraged and inspired to see what God is doing in and through our student ministry. It's going to be awesome. Student takeover next Wednesday night, 7 p.m. I don't want you to miss it. It's going to be amazing, man. They've worked really hard, and what they're going to be doing next Wednesday is going to be so powerful. It's going to be so good. Hey, and make plans to join us this Sunday. Uh, as you know, we started a brand new sermon series this past Sunday called Make It Count. Make It Count. I know right now, in the climate of, of things and all the things we've been dealing with the last eight months of this year, a lot of people are feeling like their lives are just really small and insignificant. A lot of people are looking at the world and the things that we're, we're going through and it really feeling a sense of, of hopelessness and really feeling a sense of purposelessness and insignificance. And I'm telling you that your life counts. Your life matters. God has you here for a purpose. And that's what this series is all about. We had a phenomenal kickoff to it this past Sunday. God moved in a powerful way as we launched this series and how to make your life count. Don't miss part two this Sunday. I'm telling you what God's put on my heart for this Sunday, man, is so pivotal to every believer. I'm telling you, if you don't get this, this coming Sunday, if you don't get this right here, it will literally, you will miss out on so much of your relationship with God and so much of what God has to give you and to teach you and to grow you. It's so pivotal what we're going to be talking about this Sunday. Make plans to join us 9.45 and 11.30 a.m. Get in the house. Come on, people are coming back to church every week. We're seeing more and more people coming back to church. If you still want to come back and, and you want to wear a mask or we have those available, if you want to, you, we have hand sanitizing machines. If you want a social distancing, our ushers are prepared to, to help you do that. But don't just stay back just because you're afraid. Hey, Move against your fear. Let your faith propel you forward. We have safety precautions. Don't be afraid. Let's, let's live 
Let's live our life and trust God. And those of you who have pre-existing conditions or maybe uh, if you have immunodeficiencies and you need to continue to stay home, it's okay. You're still part of our church family and we're going to be broadcasting it online and you can be part of that online campus and the, 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 the interaction that happens online. It's very enriching every single Sunday. Either way, make plans to join us this Sunday for part two of our series, Make It Count. And I really don't want to go any further tonight without thanking you, church, for being generous to the Lord during this time, especially during this time that we're in. I mean, it's just blown us away by the generosity of our people and seeing people really take the word of God serious and returning the tithe to him out of a cheerful heart. Man, we, we're, we're seeing people every single week just saying, you know what? God is still faithful and we're going to continue to honor God because his word is true. No matter what's going on in the world around us, it does not change the word of God. And so thank you, church, for partnering with us through your generosity, through your giving, your the, the returning the tithe to God, to giving offerings even above that. It is going to make a difference every week. It's going to these areas of our community through our outreaches. We're using these resources to minister to children, to students, to couples. We're using it to minister through our, our, our counseling center. We're using these resources to make a difference in mission fields across America, helping plant new churches in new cities, helping missionaries on foreign fields. You guys are making a difference. Just this past Sunday, we had dozens of people that came to Jesus or recommitted their life to Christ. That's because of you. Thank you so much for trusting God and taking him at his word. And if you want to partner with us, I want to give you a couple of op opportunities and options you can do so tonight, right now. If you want to partner with us financially and sow into the work of the Lord, you can do it two ways. You can actually go on our website tonight to vibrantchurch.com slash giving. And there's an option there. You can give through the website. It's very secure. It's very quick and easy. Or you can do what a lot of people do. You can text to give. You can text the word vibrant to 77977 and it'll send you some secure steps and you can give that way. It's quick. It's easy. We try to make mo more opportunities for more people to easily participate. Thank you, church, for doing that. And right now, our host is probably already or is right now dropping a link in the chat box right there for the note sheet for tonight's teaching. I want you to download the note sheet right now and get ready because we're about to get into the word of God together. Well, let's get ready to jump into the word of God together. I hope you got your note sheet ready. I hope you're leaned in. I hope your heart's open. I hope you're ready to receive. I am ready to give you what I really feel God's put on my heart. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 27 tonight. And I'm going to be talking to you tonight really about a place that I think every one of us find ourselves in at some time in our life. Some of you are there right now, but how many believe we all go through desert seasons? All of us go through desert seasons in life. And tonight, I want to look at in the Old Testament at the life of David, and I want us to pick up David's story at the time that he had ascended to great heights of popularity in Israel. 
Understand, David was a great king. David was a mighty warrior. He was the slayer of Goliath. He was a powerful psalmist. He was a nation builder. David was a man of great integrity. He was serving under King Saul during this time in 1 Samuel 27. And Saul, the Bible indicates, was so jealous of David and so jealous of all of David's successes that the Bible says he pursued David relentlessly for a long period of time to kill him. And scripture reveals that David had his chances to kill Saul. He had his chances to claim the throne that God had promised him, but he refused because of the integrity of his heart. He remained a faithful servant of God, and he just waited on the Lord to rescue him, except for a little season of his life when David separated himself from God. It isn't common knowledge, but there was a time that David actually defected and deserted the people of Israel. Scripture actually reveals that for a year and a half, David went to live with the Philistines of all people. And it's during this time that we can learn valuable lessons about finding faith in the desert, because I promise you, we'll all find ourselves there at one time or another in life. Some of you may be in a desert place in some area of your life tonight, and I hope you'll open your heart to the word of God tonight, because I really believe God has some encouragement for you. Here in 1 Samuel 27, David was at a place in his life where he was tired of running from Saul. He was exhausted from it. And so he decided it was easier to find a place where Saul could not pursue him. Remember that Goliath, the giant he defeated in battle, was a Philistine. And so David decided to move to Gath. That was the hometown of Goliath. Believe it or not, David becomes a traitor and he defects to live with the Philistines. We pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse 1. Look what the Bible says. It says, but David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel and I will slip out of his hand. And so David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Ashish, son of Maok, king of of Gath. So one day, David goes and he asks King Ashish if he could live in a smaller town, somewhere other than the royal city of Gath. And the king agreed. He gave David the town of Ziklag, where David and his wives and 600 men, they lived there for about a year and four months. And from there, David and his men raided many villages south of Judah. He took all the sheep, he took all the cattle, he took all the donkeys, he took all the clothing from these villages, as well as he left nobody alive to be a witness to what he did. And because David did this time and time again, King Ashish thought, well, David must be hated by the people of Israel, so I think he'll like it in Ziklag. I think he'll be loyal to me. And as fate would have it, there comes a time when the Philistines, who always hated Israel, they decided to go to war against them. Well, because David and his men have proven themselves as mighty warriors, King Ashish asked them to come out of Ziklag 
to join him in battle against the Israelites. Understand, David's been living in the desert and David has been running from Saul for a very long time. He had to leave Israel, even though he didn't do anything wrong. But now God's gonna show David some very important lessons in this turning point of his life. Because the truth is, it's hard to find faith when you're in the desert. And God was about to show David how to find faith in a very dry and uncertain time in his life. I really pray you lean into this word tonight because I, I, I really believe with all my heart that God's gonna encourage somebody and God's gonna lift somebody's faith and strengthen someone's hope tonight who may be in a desert season. Maybe you're in a desert in some area of your life. And I wanna give you some, some very powerful principles from David's life. He was there. And so what do you do when you're in the desert? Write this down in your notes. When you're in the desert, number one, have faith in God when you don't understand. Have faith in God even when you don't understand. And we pick up the story if you turn to the next chapter in 1 Samuel 28 and verse 1. The Bible goes on to say that in those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. And as she said to David... You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. And David said, then you'll see for yourself what your servant can do. And Ashish replied, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. So notice, David makes a foolish decision. Remember, he's been hunted by Saul for so long. And so David gets desperate and he agrees to fight with the Philistines against Saul to settle the score once and for all. Listen, I want you to hear me clear. There are gonna be times in your life when you will feel very desperate. You'll become tired of having someone else dictate your life. You'll become weary with someone else controlling you or holding you under their intimidation. You're trying to be at your best. You're trying to serve God with all of your heart, but nothing is turning out right. And so you become desperate. And that's when you'll be tempted to make foolish decisions. Write this down in your notes. Although you may fall on desperate times, don't let desperation make you foolish. Don't let it make you foolish. Well, obviously, King Ashish is overjoyed that a great warrior like David had agreed to join his forces. And so he, he informs his generals that David's going to fight with them against Israel. But the king was shocked because his generals ended up rebuking David. And they told the king that they were concerned about David because they said, what if David changes his mind in the heat of battle and he turns against us instead? But King Ashish is confident that David is loyal to them. After all, he's lived with them and among them now for a while. Unfortunately, though, the generals stand firm in their distrust of David. And so King Ashish has no choice but to submit to his generals. And so now the king has to bring this bad news back to David, who's waiting with his men, ready to fight against Israel. And when David hears what the king has to say, he becomes enraged. In 1 Samuel 29, in verse 8, the Bible says, What have I done? David asked. What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? And Ashish answered, 
I know that you have I know that you have been as pleasing in my eyes as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the Philistine commanders have said he must not go with us into battle. In verse 10, King Ashish says, Now get up early, go along with your master's servants who have come with you, and leave in the morning as soon as it is light. David is burning mad. He doesn't understand why all of this is happening to him. But see, even though David doesn't understand, my friend, God does. Listen, I promise you, there will be times in your life, yes, you've given your life to Christ, but there will be those times when he's not going to just take sides with you. No, he's not going to take sides with you. Instead, listen, he's going to take over. Do you want him to take sides with you or do you want him just to take over? Maybe you gave your life to Jesus thinking that God's just going to automatically bless you. But what you need to understand, he's not always going to take your side, but he is going to take over and you must trust him. Because watch, if God just takes your side and you end up going the wrong way, then all God is doing is helping you go faster over the cliff. When we're lost and when we're confused, even though we may not understand why, oftentimes God will put the brakes on our life. Ruth Hawkins, who is a short story writer as well as a great poet, she really highlights this idea by writing a short poem that goes like this. At first, O Lord, I ask you to take sides with me. And like David in the Psalms, I circled words like, he is for me, the Lord will go before me. Yet after all my pleading, I still lay drenched in darkness. Until in utter confusion, I cry, no, don't take sides, O Lord, just take over. And suddenly it was morning. You see, even when life didn't make any sense to David, it made perfect sense to God. Understand, you may have given your life to Christ, but he may not take sides with you even if you beg him. In fact, what David didn't know was God was actually protecting him. Listen, there will be times when you don't know what's going on. There will be times when you're moving forward, but then all of a sudden things start to turn against you. Everything seems to go wrong for you. And watch, because your tendency will be to get angry with God and start questioning your faith. And this is what happened to David. But what David didn't know was that God was going to save his life. You know, I often wonder how many times when we head in the wrong direction, that God jumps in and saves us. And it may even be before we give our heart to Christ. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God to run the video of, how, of the amount of times that he jumped in to save my life. And I think I would fall on my knees and weep to see how many times that was. I wonder how many of us could say, had it not been for the Lord, man, if God had not helped, if God had not intervened, I would be dead today had it not been for the grace of God. I think a lot of us can say this, but why does God do things this way? What David did not know was that the very battle he was hoping to jump into with the Philistines would end up causing a massacre of the Israelites. In fact, in the aftermath of this battle, an unimaginable horror has taken place. Literally, the whole battlefield is littered with hundreds of dead bodies. And when the Philistines come to clean up the battlefield, 
they find the dead body of Saul, the king of Israel, and his three sons, Abinadab, Milchishua, and David's best friend, Jonathan. Not only were they found dead, but they had also been decapitated. The Philistines took their heads as trophies to show everyone that they were superior to the Israelites. You see, God knew if David had gotten his way, he would have taken part in a battle where Saul, the king of Israel, had been killed. If God had not stopped him, he would have forever lived with the knowledge that he had, in a way, he had killed God's anointed king of his people, Israel, as well as his best friend, Jonathan. Forever he would deal with the people of Israel, condemning him and playing a, that he played a big part in killing their king. Forever he would be considered a traitor to Israel. People would look at him as a man who helped kill his best friend or perhaps a man that wanted the throne of Israel so badly that he would resort to murder in order to get it. So what did God do? <laughs> God protected David from himself. He protected David from a lifetime of sorrow. Anybody glad tonight that sometimes God will protect you from yourself? What David didn't understand, he didn't understand this. And so he got angry with God for not allowing him to fight in that battle. But what David and his men didn't know was when they packed up their bags in anger and headed back to Ziklag, Another army, the Amalekites, had attacked their women and children while they were gone. The Amalekites had come in, they had burned the city down, and they took their families into captivity. And when David and his men returned, God directed them to pursue the Amalekites. And they defeated them, and they were able to recover everything they lost. Now think about this. If David had gone into the battle against the Israelites he would have lost his family forever. How many of you know God's timing is always perfect? It's as if God was saying, David, you don't understand what's going on, but I know. And I'm gonna put some brakes on you right now. I'm gonna have to move against you in what you want, and I'm gonna put some brakes on you, and I know you're gonna be angry with me, but even if you don't understand, you've gotta trust that I do. And I think the Spirit of God is saying to all of us tonight, when you give me your heart, please know, I don't just take sides on and on. I take over. I take over. Come on, what a gracious God that we have. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 26, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. And so when David returns to Ziklag, he finds everything in shambles. The city had been burned down, and his men started to grumble. His men started to become bitter at him. They had completely lost trust in David and his ability to make wise decisions. They, they, they look at David, and they blame him for wanting to fight in a senseless battle. And to top everything off, the Philistines rejected him too. And when they return to their village, all their possessions and all their families are gone. And so they are angry. And they wanted to stone David to death. But God was about to give David a second lesson. And that is when you're in the desert, write this down. Have faith in God even when you feel all alone. 
You need to know, sometimes God will remove people's faith in you in order for you to gain greater faith in God. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verses 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. In verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. I love this part. But David found his strength in the Lord his God. So watch. For the first time in 16 months, David cries out again to the Lord and seeks his counsel. It's not until he's at the end of his rope and he's in a desperate situation that he's left with a choice to either end it all or to cry out to God. And you better hear me tonight because sometimes God will remove everyone around you and by leaving you all alone, he forces you to change. Because as long as there are people around you, sometimes you still have a crutch and you don't have to face reality. Sometimes God will remove people's support in order to wean us off of people so we can begin to really trust God. Well, I was sick and nobody called me. I was sick and nobody even noticed that I wasn't at church. Man, that's a stupid church. I'm never going back. Nobody even paid attention. I'm telling you, sometimes God will remove everyone around you because they're not they're they're the ones that he they're not the ones God wants you to depend on for comfort and for strength. He wants you to gravitate and pull your heart again toward him. So notice what David did in verse 6. We just read it, but I want to show you again. It says, "But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I hope you're getting this because sometimes God will remove people from you to help wean you off of your dependence of people and cause you to turn toward him again and place your dependency on him once again. I have found that it's in the lonely places of life that we turn back to God. I have found that it's when God moves, removes all the support in some seasons of our life, he'll remove people. He'll remove the support. He'll remove the encouragement from us because he knows it will drive us back to him. I want you to see what David writes later on in his life based on this experience. So later on, David's reflecting about this time and the season of his life, and he writes this in Psalm 107. He says, so he subject, subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. But then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. What a powerful verse. Listen, I can tell you from personal experience, there have been many times over 22 years of ministry, there have been many seasons where I was surrounded by so many people but still felt all alone. I, there have been many times and seasons of ministry and leadership where I have been in a desert place. I was left to make decisions that were very difficult. I was left in places where there was no encouragement, where there, there was no support, where there was nobody coming in to offer assistance or, or to offer any kind of uplifting word. 
There are those seasons that I can recall in my life that it's in those seasons that God has always turned my heart deeper toward him. And it's there that I find the very thing that I'm looking for. And it wasn't found in people. It was found in him. Do I believe in support systems? Absolutely. That's why we have small groups here at Vibrant Church. Everyone needs to be in a small group. If you're not in a small group right now, you need to go to vibrantgroups.com and you need to look at the menu of small groups that we're doing right now and get plugged in and get connected to a small group. That's where we do life together. That's where relationships form. That's where you get support. You get strength. You get people to pray with you and to walk through things with you and to encourage you and to share the word of God together and laugh together and have good times together and grow in Jesus together. But still, you can be in a small group sometimes and feel alone. Sometimes God will remove the the tangible feeling of support, the tangible words of encouragement. And in my own experience, many times he's done this in my life. I have been closer to Jesus during those times than any other time. Sometimes God has to wean us off our dependency of people. So we'll turn toward him again and depend on him again and place our faith in him again. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Write this down in your notes. God will build my faith not based on results, but on obedience. And this is exactly what happened to David. It was only when he had, when he had no one left to depend on that David strengthened himself in the Lord. You may be in a desert season in your life right now, and maybe you're thinking of defecting from the body of Christ. Maybe you're thinking of deserting your church. Maybe you're thinking of throwing in the towel on your faith and calling it quits. I just want to encourage you tonight to stand firm. It ain't over. God will finish what he started. He just wants your heart to return to him. So instead of quitting, instead of running away, turn toward him and cry out to him again. That's where you will find him. And when you find him, hey, come on, you find everything that you need. So when you're, when you're in a desert season of your life, have faith in God even when you don't understand. Have faith in God even when you feel all alone. And here's the third thing I want to give you. Write this down. Have faith in God even when you don't know what to do. Even when you don't know what to do. The good news is that God is going to build trust even when you don't know what to do. If you look at 1 Samuel 30 and you go to verse 8, here's what scripture says. David inquired of the Lord. I love that. David inquired of the Lord. He didn't inquire of people. He inquired of the Lord and he asked the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. God answered him. You will certainly overtake them and succeed and the rescue. Understand this. This is the first time that David had inquired of the Lord for many years. When David was younger, he inquired of the Lord all the time. In fact, David was always known to inquire of the, of the Lord. Yet during this time of his life that he defected to the Philistines, he stopped inquiring of the Lord. He failed to keep his eyes on the Lord. It was no wonder that he felt like God was absent from his life. But then 16 months later, 
he finally returns to God and he cries out to God again. And in that instant, he realized his faith did not come from his own ability. His faith did not come from the people in his life. His faith could only come from the Lord his God. You see, like David, listen, we sometimes stop talking to God. And all of a sudden, he seems a million miles away from us. We cry out and wonder why he feels so far away. We despair and feel like God has left us. But in reality, he didn't. It's our hearts that have drifted from him. But all we have to do is simply call on him again. And the good news, my friend, is that he will answer. Can you say amen, everybody? Write this down in your notes. In the midst of praying and seeking and waiting on God, our hearts return to him. This is what God's word promises. In fact, if you look at Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, it says, you will seek me. God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. When David's heart had returned to God, he was able to rescue all of the people and he became one of the greatest kings in history. But notice, in order for that to happen, God had to first take David through a difficult journey through a lonely desert. It was there, it was there in that lonely desert place that God was able to exchange David's soiled heart for the heart of a king. And just like David, we have a choice. We can either drop out or we can seek God. I wanna strongly encourage you tonight to choose to seek God. And I'm telling you, you'll experience a powerful renewal process in your heart as well. You know, I read an article one time about a football team at a deaf high school in Salem, Oregon. If you watched a football game with these deaf high school kids, you'd wonder how in the world do they hear the calls for the plays since they're all deaf? Well, when they're on the field, they look at the coach intently. And after the coach signs in the play, they nod and then they watch the quarterback intently. When he puts his hand down, the ball is snapped and they take off. The most intriguing of all are the substitutes on the sidelines, the substitute players. Of course, all of them want to play football. All of them want to get in the game. But how does a coach make the exchanges since none of them can hear? Well, as soon as the play is done, the, the ball is downed, all those kids look at the coach intently. If he doesn't sign them in, they stay on the sidelines and they watch for the end of the next play. But if he signs them in, they run into the game. And I read that and I thought, oh Lord, please make my heart like that. I want to be ready by fixing my eyes on you at all times. I want to be ready to go when you give me the sign to go. The word of God says in Isaiah 40, in verse 30, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Listen, God is ready to give you the heart of a king. 
He did that with David. You know, David is known as a man after God's own heart. Seek God and he'll do the same for you. Let me ask you, do you want him just to take sides with you? Or will you let him just take over? Friends, when you're in a desert place, have faith in God, even when you don't understand. Have faith in God when you feel all alone. And when you're in the desert, have faith in God, even when you don't know what to do. I promise you, you can find faith in the desert. Come on, let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I just really believe that there are many people who are watching tonight that are experiencing a desert season in their life in some area. Maybe they're in a desert season relationally. Maybe they're in the desert season financially. Maybe they're in a desert season emotionally. Maybe they're experiencing a desert in their spiritual life. Maybe they're experiencing a desert in their career. Maybe everything is drying up around them, even though they're, they're trying to serve you with all their heart. It just doesn't make any sense. And there's many of them, Father, that are tempted to throw in the towel and to quit or to defect and desert the body of Christ and to leave and to, 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 to cash it all in and to just give up on their faith. And I pray tonight that if there's those that are watching, they logged on tonight because of divine appointment. They're watching by divine appointment because you wanted to speak to them to tell them, don't give up, don't walk away, don't throw in the towel. I'm working in ways that you do not know. Lord, I really believe there's some people that are in the desert right now and they don't know what to do. And I pray that they'll just trust you, that when they don't know what to do, you know exactly what you're doing. I pray, God, that for those that are watching that feel like, man, with, that they're in a desert place. They're in a desert place right now. And they're, they're, they're leaning on, they're, they're wondering where people are in their life. They're wondering where their support is. It's like you're removing all the people and all the support from their life. Lord, help them to understand. Sometimes you will remove people from their life in seasons to draw them closer to you where they can find everything that they're looking for. Lord, I pray tonight that we'd be the kind of people that we don't want you just to take our side. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, God, we want you just to take over. Just take over. Don't take sides. Just take over. Take over everything in my life. And whatever desert season that you're in, I just pray the Spirit of God encourage you. When you don't see the way, He does. When you don't know what to do, He knows. He knows exactly what He's doing. And when you feel all alone in the desert season, He is there with you. I pray it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I hope you received that tonight. I hope the Spirit of God moved in your life and spoke to you in a powerful way. Don't miss this Sunday as we continue our series we just launched called Make It Count. It's gonna be amazing. We're praying for you, church. We love you and we're here for you. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday.